So we've been through this series. We talked about a bunch of different things like how to pray, uh, how to stay in faithful upon this Christian journey that we've, we've been on, how to forgive, how to stay married, how to raise our parents, uh, how to raise our parents, how to raise our kids. Sometimes I feel like we're raising our parents, right? How to raise our kids. And then today we're going to, uh, the title of what we're going to be talking about is show me how to live the best life. Show me how to live the best life. So about a month ago, a little over a month ago, uh, my parents were in town. They didn't come to see me. They came to see uh, my little son, Evan. Um, and uh, so now I have to get used to that. Like Nothing is ever going to be about me. It's always going to be, be about him. So they were in town for about a week. And so uh, they love doing yard work. So I decided to put them to work. Um, and I kind of felt sorry for them because like my dad is like, I don't know how old he is. He's like 68, something like that. And he was out working in like 90 degree heat. And my mom was coming out, bringing him hot cups of teas. That's what British people do, you know, uh, and, and stuff. It was kind of crazy. But uh, I put him to work uh, because they love being out in the yard, and our yard was looking a little bit of a mess. And so my mom did this little project where she uh, she wanted to get some herbs um, so that Raquel could cook with some herbs instead of buying them at the store and stuff. And so my mom, when my mom has this... Um, Goal, she is like relentless. She'll go around every single store, uh, you know. In, she went through every store in Bel Air and in Baltimore County and Harford County just trying to find herbs. And she like ended up going back to the first store because that's what women always do, right? You know, it's, like, it's Father's Day. We can say stuff like that, you know. And uh, so, so she, she went around all these stores. She got the herbs that she wanted. You know, they look right. And then she brought them back home. She got these special planters that we put on our deck and she got a bunch of them, and then she got this, this special soil that would help the herbs grow, and, uh, and, and then she planted them. She got some miracle grow, put some of the miracle grow in, and then she told us some strict instructions about how we should take care of these herbs. And Raquel and myself are known as plant killers, so don't ever give us a plant because we kill it. But you know what? It's like six weeks later, and those herbs are thriving. We've got so much mint that we don't know what to do with, so if you you want any mint if you want any basil or, or sage then come to see me because we got so much those things are thriving and it's amazing what can happen if you put something in good soil and if you take care of it and you water it well you get a huge harvest now I've got these little fir trees that uh, are little conifer trees that I decided to put in the back in my yard so that we could have some privacy from the house behind us and so I planted the three uh, fir trees last uh, last uh, uh, fall, and uh, by this year, two of them I had to pull out because they had died, and one of them was like on its last legs, and so I got my mom's miracle grow, and I was just killing it with miracle grow, and now it's kind of surviving. But it was like putting in the soil, the soil at the back of my yard is like clayey, like all the soil around here. It didn't get much sunlight, didn't get much water, and it didn't thrive. And it's amazing what happens when you put something in good soil, what good you can get out, and if you put something in bad soil, what bad comes out. And it's not just for plants, it's for our lives as well. Because when we plant stuff in our lives in good soil and we plant good things, we will get good things back. But if we plant in bad soil and bad things, we will get bad things back. And the Bible actually talks about this. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn, we're going to look at two scriptures today. One is in Galatians chapter 6 and the other is in Luke chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and Luke chapter 6. And we'll start in Galatians. 
And in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, this is what the Apostle Paul said to a church in an area, a group of churches in an area called Galatia, which is like modern day Turkey now. And this is what he said, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So what Paul is saying here, he's saying that what you harvest, you're going to receive. What you plant, you're going to harvest. What you sow, you are going to reap. And so if you sow bad stuff, you will reap bad stuff. He's saying if you satisfy your own human nature, then what you're going to get back is something that is going to decay and something that is going to de- and, and die. If you harvest the heart, something that pleases the Holy Spirit and satisfies God and pleases God, then what you're going to get back is life and everlasting life. And so the question I have for you today in your life right now, in this season of your life, whatever season you may be in, what are you planting? What are you planting in your life right now? What seeds are being planted in the ground in your life, in your family's life? Are they seeds of self-satisfaction? My needs, everything that to do with me, everything that I I, want to satisfy myself, or are they seeds of spirit satisfaction or satisfy and please the Holy Spirit? One leads to a life of decay and eventually death. One leads to new life, and the Bible says everlasting life. So my grandmother, she died in 1997. And uh, wonderful lady, real wonderful lady. When she was about 20 years old, she found Jesus Christ as her personal savior. And she would always tell us, like, my desires for everything went away when I met Jesus. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I mean, you must have had a boring life, we always told her. She was like, no, it was the most amazing thing ever because she says, I was into all this stuff just to satisfy my own life. And then I found Jesus. And she says, and life just became so much more joyful. And so... She then got married to my grandfather, became a pastor's wife, and she even found joy in being a pastor's wife. Could you believe that? But she did. And as she grew up, you know, obviously my, my, uh, my mom, which was her mother, then got married. They had us grandkids. And all us grandkids, and they had like nine grandkids all together, all us grandkids, we would always marvel about how soft my grandmother's skin was. Like so much so that we would like go and stroke it. Actually, she had like these long earlobes and we would like just like flick them and and play with them and stuff like that. And she would let us do that. I think like grandmothers do that sort of stuff. They find it's cute. I'd be like, shut up. You know, I mean, it's like 
Get away from my ears. But we would, we would, we would always marvel. We'd want to touch her skin because her skin was seriously as soft as a baby's bottom. I mean, it was seriously soft. And the reason was is because she was very careful about what went into her body and onto her skin. Uh, she, she made sure that when she ate things, it was basically stuff that was more healthy. It wasn't uh, stuff that's going to last like for three years in your pantry. You know, it's like she, she ate more organic stuff. Uh, she never drank any alcohol, never had any tobacco products. She never put any makeup on her skin, ever, never. Never put any makeup on her skin, no uh, products or anything like that. And she had the softest skin that you could ever imagine. Then one night in 1997, my grandfather was out, uh, he was traveling and he was preaching and uh, we were looking after my grandmother. She was she was ne- near 80 at the time. Or no, she was probably at 80, 82, something like that at the time. And we would check on her every day. And we hadn't heard from her all day. And so uh, I got home that night from work. And my dad tur- turned to me and says, hey, we haven't heard from your grandma. You want to come around the house and, and check on her? And so I said, yeah, sure. So we went around the house uh, uh, because they lived just around the corner from us. And we went into the house and we found my grandmother on the floor and she had passed away. She had died of an angina, ta- uh, uh, an angina attack. And... She had probably died probably about three or four hours earlier to us going in and seeing her. And you know what the first thing I noticed was her skin had started to decay. And that soft skin that we all marveled about and we all wished that we had, suddenly it started just to decay and get rough just in a couple of hours. Because the life of her had gone out of her and now her skin was starting to decay. And I looked at that and and, and thinking about what the Apostle Paul is saying here in Galatians, it's similar to, to that with our lives. See, when we feed our life with the good things of God, then... It's like that skin being shiny and and soft and it's full of life and vitality. But as soon as we start feeding our lives with with the human nature, the, the selfish things in this life, it's like the life goes out of us and it's like we start to decay and eventually die. See, when we plant a life that pleases God, The result is something that is good and full of life. But the moment we start to live a life that chases after the desires of this life and our own personal desires, it's like the life goes out of us. And so you will reap what you put into your body. You will reap what you sow. There was a a TV show a couple of years ago called You Are What You Eat. And it basically told you about all the foods that you eat, what it does to your body. And if you ever want to drink soda or eat pizza again, never, ever watch that show because it will put you off for life. I mean, it, 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 it horrified me at some of the things that, that that food does to our bodies. And so what we put into our bodies, we're eventually going to reap. And if we put bad into our bodies, into our lives, we're going to reap bad stuff. If we put good stuff into our lives, we're going to reap good things. So I got a a friend who has got a daughter who's just graduated from college. And she's got this boyfriend who has started working at this startup company. 
And the startup company is called Life Fuels. And he's some biochemist major, and he could have got a pretty good job at some, uh, 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 at some big uh, science company. But instead, he took up this job at this startup company. Um, and he's not getting paid very much, but what he's getting paid in is stock for this startup company. And what the company is, they were all very secretive about what's going on, but they revealed the product last week. And what the product is, it's pretty cool, but it's like this glass or this like cup that you put your liquids in and then it will keep a record of what you're consuming in, in, in your body. And it will tell you basically how to fuel your life so you can get the best life possible. And so if you put in a bunch of soda in, it's going to tell you, like, you're drinking too much soda. And so you put whatever liquid in, and then it keeps a record of, of all this stuff. And they, they retail for about 90 bucks, something like that. So I, I think that's a little expensive. But it's pretty cool what it does. So, which is neat because it's saying what you put in, it's going to tell you how you're going to live your life when, when you get out. But this guy, so he's not getting paid much, but he's getting paid in stock. And so if this product takes off, the guy's going to get a ton of money. It's going to be like a Facebook thing, right? Because remember Facebook with this tiny thing and their employees got paid in stock and now they're like multimillionaires. So can you imagine if this thing takes off, he's going to get a huge return. If it doesn't, well, he's young enough, he can move on. And that is similar to our lives because what we put in we eventually going to get a return on, on that. And Jesus actually said some similar things to us. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 that we will get a return on our investment. What we invest in our lives, we are going to get a return. And our return is going to be much larger than actually what we put in. However, it all depends on what we put in. So if you want to turn to Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 37 and verse 38. This is what Jesus said. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or you, sorry, do not condemn others or it will come back to you again. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will, be, will determine the amount you get back. So this is what Jesus is saying. He says, if you judge others, then others are going to judge you. If you condemn others, then others are going to come back and condemn you. If you forgive others, then others are going to forgive you. If you give to others, then you will get back. See, a lot of people think that this verse that Jesus talked about is all about money. We always think, if you give a dollar, you'll get $10 back. And there's people who made a pretty health living preaching that kind of stuff. But Jesus never mentions money here at all. In fact, the, the, the basis of what Jesus is talking about is the heart. Where is your heart? What is your heart doing? What, what is your heart uh, putting towards others? Now, these principles do apply, I believe, to money. But Jesus wasn't talking about money. He was talking about the heart. And here Jesus says that what you put in 
you are going to get out. Now, in the kingdom of God, there is a way that we harvest. And Jesus says this is how the harvest happens in the kingdom of God. You will get back in full what you put in. You will get back in full what you put in. Then Jesus said this, then it will be pressed down. Then it will be shaken together like a James Bond martini, you know. And the reason that so that it can be compressed so that then more can be put in and it will overflow and run into your lap. That is how we harvest in the kingdom of God. So if you are condemning others, do you know what's going to happen? What's going to come back to you is condemnation pressed down, shaken together, running over. If you harvest unforgiveness towards others, then what's going to happen? People are not going to forgive you and it's going to be way more. It's going to be pressed down, shaken together and running over. If you give good things onto other people, then eventually what's going to come back to you is pressed down, shaken together and running over into your lap. Because you get what you put in, and so much more. Now, this isn't some pyramid scheme or some Ponzi scheme or some get-rich-quick scheme. It's not at all. It's just the way the kingdom of God works. It's not like you put in at the bottom and then everybody else above gets a little return. It's not that. It's an individual thing and the way the harvest works in the kingdom of God. So if you want to have the best life that you can possibly live, then you need to look at what you're sowing and what you're planting. You need to look at what kind of seeds you're planting in your life right now. Now, the most blessed people that I know are the ones who spend more time sowing goodness than they do trying to harvest it. The people who spend more time sowing goodness into others than trying to receive blessings themselves. Because in the kingdom of God, the more you sow, the more you're going to reap. The most blessed people I know are the people who aren't worried about what they're going to get in return. They've just found out there's a whole lot of joy in planting some good seed. See, when you start to live a life where Jesus is center of your life, you start to understand that it is more joyful to give than it is to receive. You start to understand that there is joy in helping others and giving to others. And so you may say, okay, so tell me how to live my best life. If it's all about sowing and and reaping and planting, show me what kind of seed I need to plant. Well, the Apostle Paul gives us the answer to this in Galatians chapter 6. So Galatians chapter 6 verses 9 and 10. Paul says this, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Especially those in the family of faith. So Paul is saying here, he's saying the answer to reaping a good harvest, living your best life, 
It's found in our attitude and our action towards other people. Our action towards other people. It's all about the heart of how you are giving to other people. Notice what Paul says. I love what Paul says. He says, let's never get tired of doing good. Never get tired of doing good. There was a guy who was in our church when we first started. He came to me one day and he said, Alex, he says, I really feel that God's laid on my heart. I've got a passion for this sort of people, this type of people group. He goes, I want to reach out to this people group. I'm like, great, go ahead, do it. And so every week he would go and reach out to a certain type of people group. And he would spend some of his own time and his own money doing it. Well, after about three months, I asked him how it's going. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I said, why not? He said, he says, because it was just taking too much time and too much money. And he says, and I wasn't able to spend as much time with my kids. And, and I just didn't feel like it anymore. Well, what I discovered was that he wanted basically to head this like ministry and us as a church to resource the ministry and us to, to do it. And he would just head it up. He didn't want any like investment really in it, except for some, uh, some time, a couple of hours every other week. And what I discovered, the more I talked to this person, was that, yeah, they said they had a passion for this people group, but really their heart wasn't in the right place. And they got tired of doing good. You see, the Apostle Paul says, never get tired of doing good. See, when we start getting tired of doing good for other people, then that's when we need to check our heart and make sure our heart is right. See, what I've discovered, it's a pure heart that creates a healthy soil for good seeds to not just be planted, but reap. A good harvest. So just very quickly this morning, I want to give you three areas of your life right now that I believe that if you started planting good seeds, that you will get the best life possible. And the first seed, I think, that all of us as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ should be planting, is we should be planting seeds of our time and our attention. Our time and our attention. One of the hardest things that we can give to other people, most difficult for us to give up, is our time for other people. Because we want to do what we want to do on our time. If we have a free moment, we want to do what we want to do. If we have any spare time, then then we'll think about giving it to other people. What's even harder, we may give our time, but giving our attention. Have you ever like spoken to someone and, and they're talking, but they're really not in the conversation? You know, you're talking and they're looking all over. They're not, they're looking at their phone. They're, they're kind of like, just seem like antsy and, and they're just not listening to what you're saying. It's like the most frustrating thing ever. You feel like, just like, okay, whatever. And I'm like going to walk away. Because attention and time is some of the hardest things that we can give up. But if you want other people to give their time to you, and you want people to give their attention to you, then you need to start sowing seeds and planting into that time and attention to other people. See, I believe that God created community for a reason. 
The Bible tells us in Hebrews, it says, do not neglect your assembling together as a church. Because some people have suffered and some people have not had needs that have met because they've neglected coming together as a church. And I believe that God created the church for a reason. And one of the reasons was that we could come together in community and so that we could give of our time and attention to each other and we could help each other with our needs. And if you are never helping other people with their needs, if you're not giving your time and attention to other people, then why would anyone give when you've got a need? Why would anyone give their time and attention to you? See, community is one of the best things that we can be part of. But it starts with planting a seed, giving our time and our attention. The second thing I think we as believers of Jesus Christ, if we want to live the best life that we need to start planting and sowing, and many of us, we don't like to hear this, but it's planting our seeds and our, uh, 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 planting seeds and sowing seeds of our money, of our money, giving of our money. Here in the United States, and not just the United States, but it's all over the world, we earn a buck, well, we earn a buck here. They earn a pound in England and a euro in Europe. But we earn a buck and we feel that buck is ours. We're like, I earned that. It's mine to do what I wanted to do with it. And this is what we do. Then we sow that into things like our human desires and then it decays and it goes. And so then we go out and we work again and we work hard to earn our next buck. And so our life then becomes about earning bucks, earning dollars. And eventually it starts to consume our lives. And it becomes a God with a little G in our lives. And our life starts centering around money. And so we start planting seeds into money, hoping that we're going to get money back. But really it's our human desires and it's going to die and it's going to decay. But imagine if we lived life away from the constraints of having to always work for the next buck. Imagine if money to us, instead of being a God with a little G, it just became a way that we could resource our life. You see, I am a huge believer in a word called tithing. What a tithe is, a tithe, it's an Old Testament word, and it basically meant the first 10% of what you bring in. And what they would do with this tithe, they would take this, and then they would give it to the temple, the first 10%, so that the temple could use it for worship unto, unto God. And so... Even though we don't have a temple where we're like buying chickens and lambs and goats and we're making sacrifices to God, I still believe in the principle of tithing. Because what tithing does, it's basically saying to our God with a little g, you are less important than our God with a big g. It's saying to our money that you are not going to consume our life. That in fact, our life is about God. And God blesses us with money to resource our life. I think tithing is the most important thing. And I'll be be honest with you today. I don't really get to see what people give at church. So I don't know what you give. 
at all. We've got other people who, who, who look at that. I don't look at all. But if you are not tithing, if you're not giving, and you're a believer of Jesus Christ, you are missing out. You know, there's people out there who are not believers of Jesus Christ, but yet they're still giving their money to other things because they understand that when money gets hold of you, money restricts you, money constrains you. And if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, I encourage you to start tithing if you're not tithing. I guarantee, and, and you know, I'm not going to like put the gauntlet out there, but I bet if you're not tithing right now and you started tithing the next six months, I guarantee almost, well, I would, I guarantee because the Bible says it, that you would probably be in a better financial situation in six months than you are right now. Not because you give to get a dollar back, because that's the wrong heart. But when you give with the right heart and you tithe, God somehow blesses you because what you plant and you sow, you reap. So we give our time, we give our attention, we give of our money. And then the third way I think that we can live the best life is to give of our grace. Give of our grace. I'm not talking about the stuff we say before we eat, uh, we, we eat a dinner, saying grace. I'm talking about reaching out our hands in friendship, in kindness, in forgiveness to other people. One of the greatest ways that you, sh- you can show goodness to other people is by extending a hand of grace. If you want to be free of relational issues, Extend a hand of grace. If you want to be free of all those, uh, all, all those different issues that are going on in your life with other people, then start extending a hand of grace. Because when you extend a hand of grace and you show grace into other people's lives, you know what's going to come back to you? People are going to show you grace as well. See, these are the three biggest things that capture our hearts. But that they're also the three, the three keys, if we can get hold of them, to living the best life. See, the best life is found in community. It's found in having resources. And it's found in freedom. It's found in community. It's found in having the best resources. And it's found in freedom. And when you give of your time and you give of your money and you give of your grace, you will find that you will start to harvest community, resources, and freedom. And do you know what the Apostle Paul says? He says, when you do all this stuff, when you show goodness to others, do you know where you start? Start in the church. Start in the church. You know, there's lots of people out there who think, well, I can be a Christian, but I don't have to go to church. I, I can be a Christian and, and I don't have to be connected with the church at all. I would say that's impossible. You can't be a Christian and love Jesus, but yet not be connected to the bride of Christ, the thing that Jesus loves, which is the church. And so Paul says, it says, when you start with goodness, yeah, we do it to our community. And our next series, we're going to be talking about reaching out our hand uh, uh, in, in grace and, uh, and love to our community. But when you reach it out, start in the church. See what he says? He says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity to give, to do good, do it to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. You see, the best life is not about getting back as much as you can 
But it's living a life free of the constraints and the shackles that this world puts upon us. So this world says, if you want to live the best life, then you need to get the best education. You need to have the best job. You need to have the biggest house. You need to have the best behaved kids. And you need to have the best car. And maybe put a vacation home and a boat on top of that. That's what this world says, but you know what? That's just putting constraints and shackles on our lives. Because in order to do that, in order we then have to invest and plant in our own selfish desires that are going to decay and die. No, the best life is about living a life free of the constraints and shackles, living in freedom, finding true joy, and discovering that it is really more blessed to give than it is to receive. So I tell you today, Generation Church, let's not get tired in doing good for others. There'll be times when we get weary. There'll be times when it's like, man, this is harder than I thought. But let us not get tired in doing good for others. See, the best life doesn't happen when we graduate. It doesn't happen when we find the perfect job because there really is no perfect job. It doesn't happen when we find our soulmate and we get married because you realize that that soulmate has a lot of friction with things that you want to do and you don't want to do. It doesn't happen when you have the baby in your arms because there'll be plenty of those sleepless nights. You're like, quit crying. But the best life that you can possibly have begins when you start planting good seed. And that best life can begin today. So I ask you today, what seed are you planting? What seeds are you sowing? What harvest are you getting? Plant good seed and you'll get back good. Plant bad seed and you'll get back bad. Let's bow our heads in prayer.